So this series is actually covering what the Apostles' Creed means. And, and it's based off of that. The background of the creed is that the early church was quickly in danger of losing some of its most, some of the foundational beliefs. How many of you have ever been a part of a growing business or a growing family or something that's growing and you're bringing on more people? How many of you know communication is the first thing, it's like the first challenge you're going to face, right? And so communicating what, what the church believed started to get a little difficult. And so the church leaders came together and they developed creeds which made it easier to transfer core essentials of the Christian faith from one generation to the next. And, and so they developed this creed. But what is a creed? And a creed, by definition, is a simple statement of beliefs. It's just a lean summary of what we believe. And the incredible thing about this creed is that it's agreed on by every denomination. So whether you're Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, Pentecostal, Catholic, whatever it is, this is something that unifies churches all around the world. Isn't that awesome? And last week, we talked in depth about how 70% of the creed covers one subject. We talked about how it covers Jesus the Christ and, and his title and his nature and his mission. <clears throat> and this week, we're going to dive a little bit deeper as the creed goes on to cover not just God the Father and not just Jesus the Son, but it goes on to cover somebody else. The Apostles' Creed can be broken down into really three sections. You've heard it said this morning, we said, I believe in God the Father. Then we go on to say, I believe in Jesus Christ, his son. And lastly, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And we as Christians believe in what is called the Trinity. And so what that means is that we believe that God exists in three persons. Now, maybe you're a guest today or you've never heard this and you're going, now hold up a second. God exists one, he's one, but there's three the math isn't kind of adding up there. I just want you to know that if that sounds confusing, that you're not alone, and that we're going to spend the next few minutes together kind of unpacking uh, this while also covering why it's so important that the early church leaders thought it, they should include it in the Apostles' Creed. And so as we dive in, I want you to remember something. Because as we study something that is thousands of years old, there's going to be a lot of information that comes out that, you're, that is kind of cool, and if, you, if you're a history buff, you're going to like that. But at the same time, the goal here is not information. The goal here is transformation. And I want us all to ask this question as we go through, through this message and through this series. How does what I believe affect the way that I live? How does what I believe affect the way that I live? You know, the doctrine of the Trinity is foundational. Not only to our understanding of God, but in how we relate to God. And so here, I think it could be put this way. A misunderstanding of who God is oftentimes leads to a misapplication of God in our lives. If you think God is one way, you'll apply that to your life. And if you think he's another way, you'll apply it differently. So a correct understanding is, is, is vital, and we're going to cover this today. Uh, the next part of our Apostles' Creed that we're going to dive into is I believe in the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want you to know. In the Old Testament... God the Father was the headliner. He was front and center. Then we get to the Gospels. And you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then what happens is Jesus, the, the Old Testament that points to Jesus, then it's God incarnate, Jesus walking the earth. Then Jesus becomes front and center. He becomes the headliner. And then if you keep reading, you get to this book called the Book of Acts. And what happens is the Holy Spirit becomes the main character there. It, meaning that now the Holy Spirit is the headliner. 
And the Holy Spirit is actually mentioned 356 times in Scripture. He first appears in Genesis, and he's woven all throughout Scripture from beginning to end. And so this morning, we cannot afford to leave out, dismiss, ignore, or forget about the person of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to dive into what exactly does it mean to say those words, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe that answer is found in Scripture. So we're going to read a little bit together, and then we're going to dive in, and we're going to break it down. So John 14 will be up on the screen. You can follow along with us. And the word of God reads like this. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you're going to realize that I am the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not speaking of Judas Iscariot, the one that betrayed Jesus, uh, not speaking of him, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All of this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Okay, that was a lot of scripture. So we're going to break it down piece by piece because I don't know about you, but when I was a teenager and I first started coming to church, the pastor would read all the verses and I'd just go, Yeah, that's confusing. So we're just going to break this down a little bit. In John 14, uh, basically the whole point of it, it teaches us about the crucial role that the Holy Spirit plays in the life of the church and in the life of every believer. And the writer does this by communicating to us right off the bat, ready for this, that the Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. Not an entity and not an impersonable force. let's read this in verse 16 again. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Uh, The Bible repeatedly testifies to the personal nature of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 tells us the spirit can be grieved, that he can be outraged, according to Hebrews 10. Romans 15 says that the spirit loves. These are characteristics of a personal being. And so when you think of the Holy Spirit, you need to understand that we're talking about a person. Why is this an important distinction? Because how you understand the Spirit's nature will affect the way that you relate to him. And if you have an impersonal understanding of the Spirit, if you believe he's merely a force in the universe, then what happens is we're going to relate to the Spirit in a very mechanical way, in a very cause and effect way, in a very if I do this, you do this kind of way. And eventually we just become like, uh, how many, raise your hand if you've seen Star Wars. Okay, if you haven't, we'll pray for you. Uh, the, the, in, in Star Wars, the Jedi have this thing called the Force, and they tap into it, and they can use it. And what happens is if you view the Holy Spirit like some kind of entity or impersonable force, what happens is we'll just try to, to call on it when we need to use it, or, or we'll try to treat it in a very mechanical cause and effect way. And it, the, the reality is that Our relationship with the Holy Spirit is not personal. It's mechanical. And so when we understand, so listen, when we talk about this, there are many of you that as soon as I said the word Holy Spirit, you like checked out. 
And you're like, oh, I came on that day. <laughs> I came on this day. And some of you are very hesitant, and your guard goes up as soon as we mention that uh, because of some funky, weird stuff that maybe you've seen. Uh, if you Google Holy or if you search YouTube and type in Holy Spirit, I just promise you, you're going to find some weird stuff. There is some wackiness out there, okay? I, I, I'm telling you, it bothers me just as much as it would bother the next person. It's kind of weird the way that it's portrayed. And so I need you to understand, yes, there's a lot of nonsense. But here's what I want you to walk away with. Belief in the Holy Spirit means growing in a relationship with a person, not a force. It's about getting to know someone so that over time we begin to think like the Spirit, feel what the Spirit feels, act like the Spirit acts. In other words, over time, the Holy Spirit changes us as we get to know him. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The Holy Spirit is a person, and that person is fully God. And because he's a person, we can grow in our relationship with him. You know, there's another way of knowing that the Spirit is actually God himself. Jesus, after he was living with the disciples for years, he tells them that he's going away. But he wants to assure them that they're not going to lose God's presence in their lives. Uh, he, and he says these words, don't worry, because the Spirit is coming to you. In verse 16, he says, and I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Watch this here. The disciples lived with Jesus day after day, year after year. They walked with physical, visible Jesus, tangible Jesus, God in the flesh, fully man, fully God. They walked with him. Can I tell you when Jesus looked at them and said, hey, I need you guys to know I'm going away. Can you imagine what's going through their mind and through their hearts? The physical presence of God was with them. Fully God, they saw miracles, they heard him say things that blew their minds, and then he says, hey, listen, I know my presence in your life has made all the difference, but I'm going away. And immediately you can imagine them kind of getting tight, going, what, what are you talking about? Because after experiencing Jesus, they, they, I'm sure they wouldn't want to experience a life without him. But then he says, it, to them, it's coming across as, hey, you're going to be without me. Can you imagine the tension? And then he says, but actually, it's going to be better for you. Jesus merely stood with his disciples. He merely walked with them. He used his physical voice. They heard with their physical ears. But now in the spirit, God says, I'm sending my Holy Spirit. and He's actually going to live in you. Speaking to you, leading you, walking with you. Leading you from the inside out. The Holy Spirit is not lesser than the Father. He's not lesser than the Son. He's co-equal with them. They're equal in every respect. All three have always existed. And he's saying, listen, this is actually better because in my physical form, I was next to you. But I'm going to send my spirit that's going to live in you. This is amazing. And so real quick, the Trinity explained is that God exists in three persons. I want to break it down like this. The Father, who is the creator, the Son, who is the Redeemer, and the Holy Spirit, who is the Sanctifier, sanctifying us from the inside out. So, so the Holy Spirit sanctifies us from the inside out. Here's a brief definition of what that word means. To sanctify someone or something is to set that person or thing apart for the use intended by its designer. So a human being is sanctified, therefore, when he or she lives according to God's design and purpose. The Holy Spirit helps us to do that. So 
uh, as we go through this, we're answering questions. What is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Where is the Holy Spirit? These are kind of some questions that we're just breaking down today. And in verse 23, Jesus talks about the presence of God in the life of a Christ follower. He says, anybody who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. The Apostle Paul makes it even more clear in this next scripture in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16. He says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? I just need you to know the Spirit lives in his people. God's people, the church, are now the new temple of God. He's come to dwell in and make his home in his people. And this has tremendous implications for how you and I will live our lives. Because think about what happens when you have a visitor come over. What's the first thing that you do when you know you're having company? You clean your house, or at least I hope you would clean your house. If you want them to come back, you want them to come into a clean place. And let me just say this, husbands and, and men in the room, uh, no husband has ever been shot while doing the dishes. That's just, <laughs> that was a joke. Y'all, like, y'all were like, what? That's a joke. Um, wow. Uh, Got to include that in the notes. Don't say that next time. Uh, listen, everybody's house looks its best when company is coming over. For once, you actually want to clean because you care about this person and what they think, and you want the environment to be suitable, Right? We care. First off, if we're inviting somebody over to our home, I would hope it's somebody we want to come over, right? And because we want them, we respect them or admire or we love them or we're, we're getting to know them, there's a desire there to get to know them. And so we end up making room. We end up making space. We end up cleaning. We end up doing things and putting action to this because we want the environment to be suitable. Isn't it funny how we'll give people the red carpet treatment when they're coming over? Like, my wife will send me to the store sometimes, and it'd be like, we got to get this, uh, all we have to drink is this, or, you know, we, we end up doing things because they're coming over. And if you're aware of the Spirit's presence in your life, it changes everything. It transforms the way that you act, what you say, how you spend your time. Because if you really believe that he's come in, and like Jesus said, made his home within you, it changes your life because all of a sudden, we desire to create an environment that is suitable for the Holy Spirit. When you make room for him, he begins to change you from the inside out. Making room allows him to work in our lives. Can I just tell you, uh, you want to know what I made room for this week? I'm just going to be real honest, real transparent. Here's what I made room for this week. Spider-Man 3. <laughs> I'm, I made room on a Wednesday night to go and see Spider-Man 3. I made room on July 4th for cooking food eating brats and burgers and hanging out with people. I made room for Stranger Things Season 3. I don't know if <laughs> I got a thumbs up. I made room for entertainment and things that I enjoy. It, what happens is your personality will make room for what's important to you. And when we make room for the Holy Spirit, here is what happens. The Holy Spirit gives you what the Bible calls spiritual gifts. And what is called spiritual fruit. So I wish I had time to really dive into this, but we're just going to scratch the surface. Here's, here's what happens. Whenever the world is going crazy, you can still have the fruits of the Spirit found in Galatians 5.22. Here's what they are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. How many of you think life would be easier to navigate if I had a little, if I had more of one of those Life would be easier. If I had even two of those or three, how many of you know those are things that really make life a little bit easier? 
This is what the Holy Spirit can do and bring into our lives. As we begin to make changes and create space for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, what happens is he changes us, and yet so many Christians are living what can only be referred to as a spiritless life. What if I told you God's desire is for all believers to live a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, spirit-led, spirit-equipped life? What if I told you that God's desire for you is that you would thrive? What if I told you that God's desire for you is that you would influence, that you would succeed in relationships? It almost begs more questions, doesn't it? Okay, God has a vision for my life, but how does that play out practically, right? Because I had a vision 10 years ago of starting a business. That didn't really work out. I had a vision of, 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 of having this many kids, and that didn't really work out. I had a vision of going and traveling the world. That didn't happen out because the practical day-to-day didn't support that. So give me something practical, right? How does that really happen? The question that is being asked is, why do I need the Holy Spirit? Can I just live without him? I want to read this because I want to give you some practical application. Some things that you could go home today, apply to your life, and it'll immediately make a difference. Because I believe the Holy Spirit's work in your life is not just, he doesn't just make a difference, he makes the difference. And if you really get this in your heart and in your spirit, this will change everything. Here's what the Bible says in verse 16. And I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down three things that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit will comfort you. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the great comforter. This is why we can be in the middle of a trial that shakes us to our core. Or we can be in in over our heads with responsibilities and still have an otherworldly peace. One of the fruits of the Spirit's ongoing work in our lives is peace. And it is incredibly profound. It doesn't make sense. It surpasses understanding because circumstances say you should be worried. You should be freaking out. You should be losing it right now. But in the, in the moment, what happens is there's an incredibly stabilizing peace over your life. I can't tell you how many times I've asked the Holy Spirit to make his peace known to me in the middle of a difficult season or moment. And I'm always amazed at how God's people can be at peace in some of the most troubling times. Can I just tell you, I have a pastor friend down the road in Harahan who's burying his second child in a year. And he's still loving God, still serving God, still walking with God through the midst of an incredible storm that I don't even want to imagine what that would be like. Give you a quick illustration the peace of God in somebody's life, in a believer's life, can be illustrated like this. Did you know that the lower an object goes into a body of water, that the pressure increases? And if, if you've ever watched anybody deep dive, they'll tell you that if they get to a certain point in the water, their jaw might even lock in place due to the incredible amount of pressure. And, and if a boat sinks down far enough, the pressure of the water that deep will actually tear the boat apart. And the boat will collapse unless it's pressurized. This is why submarines can dive deep underwater without the pressure collapsing from the outside because they have a balance of pressure on the inside. A submarine is pressurized from the inside, pushing out so that when the pressure pushes in, it's balanced and it doesn't crush. They have a balance of pressure on the inside. 
Can I just tell you, I think many people are collapsing on the outside because they don't have enough pressure on the inside. And the pressure on the inside comes from the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Spirit of God pressurizes Christians on the inside so that they can handle the pressure of the world on the outside. When I'm walking with the Spirit, circumstances don't dictate what I feel or what I say because I'm pressurized on the inside because of the work of the Holy Spirit happening in my heart. This is our claim as believers and as people of God that are filled with the Spirit. As the Spirit lives inside, we can walk through trials and storms and not feel the pressure. This is amazing to me. The Bible goes on to say, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. And you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Second thing I want you to know about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit will counsel you. The Holy Spirit is your counselor and he is your guide. The Holy Spirit actually improves the quality of our choices. I liken him to like a red light or a green light. There are times in life where I just need to know, God, do I go or do I stop? And, and, and there's, there's a, a relationship there. But believe it or not, the Holy Spirit has something to say. And if we'll take time, what we'll find is that he speaks more often than we realize. Here's another example to illustrate this. How many of you have ever, as a husband, I will text my wife, sweetie, what do you want me to pick up for dinner tonight? I send her a text. What I'm wanting back from her is a text. And then what I see is my phone starts to vibrate and ring, and I look at it, and the caller ID says that my wife is calling me. And, and, and sometimes I go, come on. <laughs> I don't want to have a 20-minute conversation about what you want. Just give me some options. Send me a text. Give me two. I'll pick one. Just for the love of God, please. I don't want a 15, 20-minute conversation because I know how it's going to go. Well, I want this. Uh, anything but that. Okay, what about this? I'm not really, it's, it's just how it goes. And so here's what happens. If I have that response every time that my wife calls, I'll never receive the full counsel over my question. But when I make time and I pick up the phone and I make room for my wife to speak, I can hear her voice and I can understand her thought process. I can understand her desires. I can understand what she wants. And all of the sudden, my decisions lead to a better outcome. I thought there was no better illustration for this than this. Why? Because I took the time to receive counsel and I made room for her to speak. But so many of us treat God this way and we just go, God, can you just, like, I just want it to be quick. I threw up a 10-second prayer. Can you just tell me yes or no? Isn't that funny? I just think I can only receive brownie points for comparing my wife to the Holy Spirit in my life. Isn't this what we do? How many of you know that decisions have consequences? Good or bad, we live with those decisions. This is life. What would life be like if we had a little bit of help? What would life be like if we had a little bit of counsel when it comes to making the hard decisions? And listen, small groups are great for this. Small groups are the best thing we do. That's our main course. We, love, we live in community with one another. Our small groups are awesome. And, and, and we should be seeking out the wisdom of people that we walk with regularly and that know us and that can, can understand us. But what about the rest of the week? Or what about decisions that you don't have time to consult somebody else? Or when you're reaching out and you're not, you shoot out a group text and nobody responds. What about the moments where time is of the essence and you need an answer now? 
Or what about when groups are on a summer break like they are right now? It's in those times where a direct lifeline would be nice, wouldn't it? It's in those times where a direct line to the Holy Spirit, to what's on God's mind, God's heart, God's will, would, be, would be, really be great. And it would come in handy, don't you think? Watch this right here. For thousands of years, and if you study Scripture, they would discern God's will a few different ways. One of the ways, they would cast lots. It's likened to like playing dice. They would, they would cast lots, and that, that's how they would decide what God's will was. Can I tell you the last time that's um, actually written down in Scripture? In Acts chapter 1. They had to replace Judas, one of the disciples, and they were trying to figure out who should join the team. And it says that they, they casted lots to decide that. You want to know why that's the last time that's ever written? Because then comes Acts chapter 2. God pours out his Holy Spirit. And then what we find is things that are written like this. The Spirit of the Lord said. Then we find things that are written like this. It seemed good to me and to the Holy Spirit. Then we find things like this. I was compelled by the Spirit of God. In other words, the Spirit has helped counsel me in this decision. I have asked, he has answered. I have questions, he he provided guidance. I was confused, he provided clarity. Let me just say that this is so much easier to discern the Holy Spirit's voice when we're constantly in the word of God and when we're practicing prayer and we're not living in willful sin. But when we constantly make room for him, because what happens is we fill up on, 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 you know, that whole thing that we made room for that I covered a little bit earlier. We'll make room for entertainment. We'll make room for, for going out and doing it. We'll make room for fireworks. We'll make room. And there's not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things. But what I am saying is, and the second part of this is there's a lie out there that says if you make room for God, you won't have time for anything else. Can I just tell you that's a lie from the devil? You can make room for God, and he will, he will, he will, it's like time is stretched. You know what I mean? It's, it, I don't know how, exactly how it works, but I'm just telling you that's a lie. But when you constantly make room for him, he's at work in your life. And so many of us are frustrated because we're like, I don't hear God's voice. I don't feel God's leading. I don't, well, what have you made room for? If I could have the band come up, I, I, I just want to, there's another thing that the Holy Spirit does that I want to cover this morning. So that was my nod to the thing. That was like not subtle at all. Um, but anyway, um, I want to read this to you. After, after I say this, this is the, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does that I think is awesome, and we're, we're going to unpack this. The Holy Spirit will convict you. Let me read this. When the Spirit comes, John 16, when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. How, okay, let's stop right here. How many of you have a negative connotation when you think of the word conviction? I, I think many of us think of the word conviction and we're like, ooh, I don't like that. I, I, it just kind of has a weird feel to it. Um, but what if I told you that conviction is actually a blessing? And that we can actually be excited when the Holy Spirit shows us that something is wrong. Conviction is a blessing that helps us. Let me explain this uh, in a few different ways. Can I just share one of my biggest concerns? Or I don't even like calling it a fear, but for the sake of this conversation, it, one of my biggest fears is that I have a blind spot that everybody else in the room can see except me. That I'm coming off a certain way or I'm building a reputation in a certain way that I, I don't actually want 
and everybody thinks this of me except me. I'm the only one that doesn't realize. Have you ever met the, self, the, the person in the room that's not self-aware and they say a joke and they're the only one laughing and everybody else in the room is kind of cringing? It, it, it's a concern of mine, but can I just tell you also this? The Holy Spirit helps me walk in self-awareness through conviction, protecting my influence. I cannot change or address or seek counsel on that which I am not aware of. And that is a blessing. The Holy Spirit, how many of you have ever had somebody else try to do this and you felt so judged and condemned? And you're, it, it doesn't work when we try to do it with one another, right? But how many of you know God can really speak to you in a gentle yet convicting way, in a way that it becomes a blessing? The problem is that we get it twisted and we end up equating conviction with condemnation. And those are not the same. Let me tell you the difference between these two. The difference between the two is that condemnation leaves you feeling hopeless. Condemnation leaves you feeling guilt and shame. Leaves you feeling condemned. But conviction, conviction points me back to Jesus. Conviction is my compass that is always pointing true north as I'm walking with the Holy Spirit, making room for Him. I never have to doubt what He's doing because as I look at the Word of God and the Holy Spirit echoes that in my life, I know which direction to go because His voice is convicting, it's not condemning. And it actually enables me to make decisions to, to, to get better, to develop and build more influence, to grow as a Christ follower, and not to pull back because I'm feeling guilt or shame or condemnation. You know, a couple weeks ago, my wife and I, we took our kids um, to Texas to see Grandma and Grandpa. And it was a long day. I woke up at 6. I drove to Mississippi. I preached at a church there. I drove back. And I'd already been in the car for about three and a half hours. Uh, about a 20-minute turnaround. My family loads up the car. And then we drive all the way to Abilene, Texas. If you've ever driven across Texas, it takes like 23 days, right? So, so. We get in this car, and then I'm dri- you know, we're driving. 10 p.m. comes around, and my eyes begin to get a little bit heavy. And I'm starting to do this. Even with my glasses, I'm just kind of going. It's not even that I can't see. It's that my eyes are getting. I've been up since 6, and I'm tired, and, and my kids are crying because I got two under the age of two on a road trip. Do the math there. And so we're, you know, I'm just feeling a little like maybe we need to get a hotel or something. And all of a sudden, in this weariness and fatigue and and tired, all of a sudden, what was once here begins to do this. And all of a sudden, I feel what's called a rumble strip. They're placed on the sides of the road to keep you from going off course. And all of a sudden, I'm driving, and then I feel, and I do this. (laughs) I get back on track. And and can I just tell you, the Holy Spirit is much like the rumble strip. That helps us to realize by convicting us when we're getting off of God's path for us and outside of God's will. What happens is we're driving and we're living our life, and then all of a sudden we turn, blah, 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 and, and it's like God's saying, hey, that's actually not beneficial for you. I know you want to. I know that's what you want right now. I know that's your heart's desire, but I need you to trust me. I, I've got long-term plans for you, not short-term. I need you to see the bigger picture. And, and he helps us to go from here all the way back to this. 
What happens is we're driving down the road and we're going, we're going, should I move? This job's really wanting to pay me more. And this would be a great place to raise our kids. Or, or this would be great. And all of a sudden, blah, 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 blah. And God says, hey, I've actually got you where I want you. I want you to plant yourself where you're at. What happens is we go down the road like this and we begin to think things. And we begin to get imaginative. How many of you know, sometimes our, imagine, our imaginations can really work against us. And we begin to think of a life elsewhere or a life doing something else or a life that's, that's looking a little different than what God has actually called you to. And all of a sudden what happens is blah, 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 blah. And he corrects us through conviction. doesn't condemn. It helps us stay on course. The powerful thing is that I don't even have to say specifically what you're going through because the Holy Spirit is already doing the rumble strip thing in your life. You want to know why? That's because he's a person, and that's because he's personal. The Holy Spirit will walk with you through every second of the day. Now, maybe you're in here and you're saying, okay, Pastor, but what about the things that I deep down know are wrong, head knowledge, but I don't have the conviction to not do it anymore? That left me a long time ago. Can I just say, head knowledge, like sometimes your head and your heart can be at war, right? And I just want to say, just because you're no longer convicted about something, it doesn't necessarily make it right for you to do especially if you're in direct contradiction to God's word but here's here's what I'll say it may just mean that your heart has become hard and if that's the case God is in the business of softening hard hearts and if that's the case let's pray for God to restore you pray that your heart would become soft again and pray that an awareness of his spirit would lead you towards tender heartedness if you're a Christian, do you know that God is, is living in your life? The Holy Spirit has made his home in you. And when no one else is looking, the Holy Spirit is right there with you. I'm not saying this to scare you because this is actually good news. But it ought to be a little sobering as well, right? I believe in the Holy Spirit. That's no small confession. And if you really believe in the Spirit and give attention to his work in you, it will change your life. So this week, let's make room and let's let him get to work. The blessing of conviction cuts through the things in my life that I like to justify. How many of you know we all have pet sin, right? We all have things that we lean into a little more than maybe we feel like we even should, but at the end of the day, we'll justify, right? It's not that bad. I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that or or come on look where I came from if you're married you really know this right because you'll drive home on the way from a sermon and you'll it's like you've ever gotten the judgmental stare or given it or you're like you know pastor was talking about you today or like you know it's funny how in marriage that kind of happens um and we'll justify our sin to our even our spouse sometimes um you want to know what the holy spirit does for me it cuts through the things in my life that I like to justify. Today I want to give you a chance to make a conscious decision. To let the information of the Holy Spirit evolve into the welcoming in and transformation of the Holy Spirit. I want God to do in you what He's done for me because it's made all the difference. God has has comforted me in times, has counseled me regularly and convicts me. And because of that, I don't, I mean, sometimes I do this, but I do this way less. 
It's how I know the will of God for my life. 